Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Smart to Zero podcast, hosted by Alex Fennebecker and presented by Steel Post Media. You can follow our friends Oz Marley at Steel Post Media on Twitter using the handle at Steel Post Media. You can find Dallas Barnes at All Wrestling 420. And of course, a special thank you to Noah Carroll for our music at Noah7BC. Uh, so this week, what we're going to do, we're going to do something a little different. I'm not, I'm not going to continue with the Mid-South uh, episodes. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. I have a, a special guest tag team partner, Jason B., coming on this week. And we're going to cover Dojo Pro Episode 1. And full disclosure, I hadn't heard of Dojo Pro before. And it wasn't until I heard it mentioned, I believe they bought some sponsorship time, you know, some airtime on... Conrad Thompson's podcast, uh, Something to Wrestle, Bruce Pritchard. And I thought, well, shit, that, look, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the, the build would be. And it turned out it was something completely different than what I expected it to be. But we watched the first episode, talked about it after. I, th I think you'll enjoy that. Jason brings an interesting dynamic to the episode. And we will see what you think there. On... Um, on a more serious note, I, I don't, I won't beat this into the ground because I, I think that would be uh, in poor taste. But across the wrestling community, we all know that we lost several wrestlers on the same day, uh, just a touch over a week ago. Uh, so there was Brickhouse Brown, of course, who I will actually be running into on future episodes of Mid-South, I believe. Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I believe I will. Uh, and I, I'm not, I was never really very familiar with his work. Of course, there was Nikolai Volkov. Uh, now, Nikolai Volkov, I was a little young to remember him when he and, and Iron Sheik beat Wyndham and Rotunda. So I, I can't I can't exactly use that as as the um, as as my memory of him. I do remember reading copies of the WWF magazine when they used to have them stocked in grocery store shelves, and I I would be that annoying little you know little shit that would come in and read the magazine and never buy anything because I was seven eight nine years old somewhere you know maybe a little bit older by then. But I remember the Bolsheviks. I remember Boris Zukov teaming with Nikolai Volkov. And I remember them being pretty formidable, at least in the articles of the magazine. And I never got to see them wrestle on television. My favorite memory of Nikolai Volkov, and I'm not going to go through his career. He, he deserves a much better accounting of his career than I could ever give him. But I remember when he came back, this would have been, what, early 90s? I think early 90s. He came back, he started showing up on, like, superstars, wearing a cheap suit. And the camera would pan to him, and, and they'd kind of allude to the fact that he was looking for a job. Ted DiBiase, of course, was the million-dollar man at this time. And eventually had purchased, <laughs> for lack of a better word, Nikolai Volkov. So Nikolai was coming to the ring 
wrestling and he was a baby face at first with being that reluctant wrestler for the heel manager and, and Ted DiBiase and eventually he he was forced to wear the black trunks with the dollar sign I know it was a cents sign it wasn't even a dollar sign it was a cent sign uh, and it was uh, they thought they did such a really cool job of building this up but there was a gradual change to Nikolai at first, he was the reluctant wrestler, and, and Ted would tell him, no, keep hitting him, pull him up, you know, he wouldn't let him get the pin. And then Nikolai started to develop this mean streak as, as it would progress. And the commentary changed, and it was, well, I actually think he's starting to enjoy this. And, and, and eventually he did make that full turn, that full heel turn as part of the Million Dollar uh, Stable there. And I remember, I, I just, I remember really enjoying that. And that left, that, it was important enough where I remember it, what, uh, 20, 26 years later, 25 years later. And I don't know that... I ever saw anything that that would truly give me an appreciation for how talented he was but it's it's been very it's been very nice to hear what the folks who worked with him and did have enough knowledge of the inner workings of the business and 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 the people that they work with to say very kind things about him and I haven't heard a poor accounting of Nikolai Volkov yet, and I and I hope it don't. Uh, so, uh, of course, we lost Nikolai Volkov. Uh, I off the top of my head, you know, it, it's it's late on a Thursday night. Uh, I I don't remember off the top of my head if he if he's a Hall of Famer yet. If he's not, he probably is. If he's not, I'm sure he will be soon. And finally, the third one was uh, Brian uh, Brian Lawler, Brian Christopher. And this one's a little harder to talk about. And I, I, I think it's, well, I, I know it, it's because he's, he's not that much older than I am. And... Just uh, a half hour or so before I came up to my office and started to record here uh, for the opening for ten, for the for this week's episode, I was listening to Jerry Lawler's podcast, and it was the episode where he was uh, giving an account of the events that transpired leave, leading up to uh, Brian's passing, and it was pretty gut-wrenching um, I have three kids myself you know one of them being a boy and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep from uh, getting emotional but I it, it's a difficult topic to uh, to discuss the thought of losing any of them is devastating so my heart absolutely goes out to Jerry and to uh, Brian's mom and to the rest of the Lawler family. And of course, to you know, 
Scott Taylor and Rikishi and all the folks that worked with him. Uh, I saw that X-Pac, uh, Sean Waltman, had posted some especially nice things remembering Brian. Um, my memory of uh, Brian is strictly as a fan. And it's not, you know, I won't pretend that, uh, that I have a profound co uh, connection with him or anything like that. I think that would be pretty inappropriate. Uh, yeah, but the first time I saw Brian Christopher wrestle, uh, it was in the WWF. And I think that's the case for a lot of folks. And it was building up to the cruiserweight or the, the light heavyweight championship. And he would do that laugh. That was like it was almost it was almost a manic version of Jerry Lawler's laugh, and of course the constant jokes from Jr. about you know him being Jerry's boy and Jerry refusing to acknowledge it. I I, I just I, I loved it. The eventual um, the eventual birth of the tag team too much with. Uh, uh, Scott Taylor before they were too cool. Uh, I, I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was super cheesy. I booed the shit out of them, and, and that was the intent. You know, they they were a heel tag team. But looking back on those, it was very funny. And then of course with too cool, you know, I mean, who doesn't remember too cool? And. Uh, yeah, I apologize. There are a lot of pauses uh, in, the, in this opening, a lot more than you would normally hear. But yeah, I'm not working off of any notes for this intro. I just I, I wanted to uh, uh, just sort of you know offer my condolences and uh, and let those folks know the folks you know uh, Brickhouse's family. Uh, Nikolai Volkov's friends and family, and of course the Lawler family, and uh, and all those folks that had a chance to work with them, in in the different you know in in various roles throughout professional wrestling. Uh, I'm very sorry for your loss. It's and I I think we'll just leave it at that. So if we can shift gears, let let's focus on something a little happier. So. Um, what do we have coming up that we can really look forward to? I am so excited that All In is going to be on fight. And StarCast is going to be on fight. Uh, I, I was, I, I'm not far from Chicago. I'm, I'm a quick plane ride. Uh, maybe, you know, what, a seven, eight hour drive from Chicago where I'm at. And, you know, I just, I wasn't able to get tickets at the level that I wanted to get tickets to be able to meet the people I wanted to meet for StarCast or for, for All In. So now that they're both available for order on Fight, I am extremely excited. I, I'm ordering both. I'm actually ordering both as soon as I'm done recording here. Uh, and, and the price drop until August 10th, you know, that $79 sale as opposed to $99 or the, the $149 that have been advertised. I'm really looking forward to that. I I love that NWA championship belt. 
I'm hoping that Cody Rhodes comes away with it, and I mean, we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm just I'm very excited for that. In other news, we are finally back to football season, and and of course I'm I'm not one of the football fans who uh, who has to have your team die in a plane crash in order to have fun. I I, I love football, uh, just in and of itself. But I am a diehard Green Bay Packer fan. And one of my favorite things about football season is we always go down for the home opener. We make that drive down to Green Bay for the home opener at Lambeau Field, and it's incredible. And I will be down there this year to watch them take on the Chicago Bears. My, uh, I, I have a very dear family member who's no longer with us who loved Mike Ditka back in the day and you know had Bears memorabilia. It's impossible for me to hate the Bears, and I'm looking. I'm so excited for that game, and one of the best parts of it, the game is incredible, and being at Lambeau Field is incredible. But one of the most amazing things about going to a football game in Green Bay is afterwards, you don't see the fights, you don't see, you know, the violence by the fans, you know. Uh, every year, the first year that I went, two years ago, we sat down with a group of folks from Detroit. You know, it was it was the opener was against the Lions. Bought each other a few beers, had a damn good time. Did the same thing last year with some Seahawks fans. I actually sat next to a young Seahawks fan uh, uh, during the game. Very cool kid. And I, I think the fans from other football teams are some of the coolest people that you'll ever meet. Because they're there for the same reason you are. And once the game's over, regardless of who wins, the game's over. So it's time to have a good time. But Sunday night game, I will be in Green Bay. If any of you listening are going to be in Green Bay for the Packer home opening, hit me up on Twitter, at SmartKidAZero. Let me know. Uh, let me know you're going to be there. Shoot me a DM if you'd like. I'd love to buy you a beer. So with that... Like I said at the beginning of the opening, we're getting into, uh, I'm shifting away from Mid-South for a little bit. I'm trying to refocus and see what I really want to do with the Mid-South TV episodes. They're a lot of fun to watch, and I do want to keep doing the weekly reviews, but I want to make sure that I'm covering some other things as well. And Dojo Pro is is, is something that, that I've heard, like I said, on Conrad's uh, podcasts, and I've seen some ads for it on Amazon. I've seen some ads for it uh, in some different places. But nobody's really talking about it. So I wanted to take a look at it. Of course, the end goal of winning the Dojo Pro Tournament is a shot at the Ring of Honor Television Championship. So there, there's a serious backing here. And so what I did, I called my good friend Jason. We met up last night uh, late because <laughs> we both have families and... Your time is not your own during the day, to be frank. And we watched episode one of Dojo Pro, and it was Carrie Awful taking on Kevin Koo. And uh, without spoiling any of the match, we're going to go ahead and cut to that segment. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, everybody, so what we just did is, uh, of course, I'm sitting here next to my tag team partner today, Jason. Hey, how's it going? 
and we have just sat through the first episode of Dojo Pro Season 1. And it was a qualifier match for the number 12 spot. It was Kevin Koo against Kerry Awful. Uh, we're going to get into some of the <laughs> specifics of the match here. And I, when I say sat through, I hate to be negative, but we, we sat through it. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't... Um, I, I, am I am I am I assuming too much to say that you weren't moved by the first episode? Well, I was almost moved to the bathroom, but I, I was able to maintain. <laughs> so, yeah. so, and, and it seemed like from the onset, the, this show was trying to find an identity. Sure, I and, get that. And uh, one of the things I noticed right off the bat was they start running down the competitors' names, yep. the rankings. Yep. And they're all l- numbered, right. 1 through 12. Except? A- except for the most famous person <laughs> in the entire tournament, James Storm. Yeah. He's number 6, but he doesn't get a number. He's the mystery dude. Right. And and it's it's a minor, <laughs> <laughs> it's a minor error in a big picture. It's not like it's a huge deal. But it's not something you would expect to make final TV. Right. <laughs> Especially when you have had a guy that sits there and probably knows how to count and somehow forgot that number because sure. it was clearly five and then seven. So, <laughs> well, and and then uh, as it continued, um, you know, I, I forget what his name was that was doing the uh, uh, Matt Lott. Matt Lott, yeah. Matt Lott welcomed us. He he was the host of the show, and he's behind the news center desk. And and I don't know about you, but I always loved the news center. You know, when we were kids, watch like superstars, sure, or worldwide, yep. they'd always shoot to the news center. Yeah, you feel like it was a big broadcast, and and it was. I I loved that part because you know this was just him at a desk, and that's fine with mm-hmm. the graphic, but uh, that was when you'd get like your WWF face to face with right. Jim Ross, yeah, and then the promos back and forth for the folks who weren't there, or you'd get mean Gene Okerlund in the command center with fifty monitors behind him, right? Yep, you know, in the producers' booth. And I always loved this. So I appreciated that beginning. Sure, but uh, uh, what did what did you notice about? <laughs> I had to I had to sit there and question the sidelong gaze where he didn't know the camera had bothered to change on him. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, the, the direction. Uh, I I don't I don't know if it would be the director or the producer or who who it would be that would be responsible for that. But uh, yeah, poor Matt. He's he's given his spiel. He's, he's doing pretty up good with it. Yeah, he did. I, I thought he did a pretty damn good job setting it up. And all of a sudden, they cut to camera two. Yeah, and forgot to let Matt know about it. That, that's it. So all of a sudden, we're looking at Matt's beautiful profile uh-huh. instead of his dreamy and, eyes. And don't get me wrong. He, he looks okay. But... He, he did, and I don't mind seeing him from multiple <laughs> angles. Sure. But, but I think he would have preferred to have been able to turn with the camera. Yeah, keep the, <laughs> keep the direction going. So uh, there's there's a term that I don't like to use a lot because I think it's pretty darn disrespectful, but uh, I darn yet. <laughs> but um, uh, you hear uh, uh, Cyrus has mentioned this, has said this before uh, he, when he calls something indie-rific. And generally speaking, I think indie wrestling is great. And indie riffic is well. You clearly... got to start somewhere. I get it. Well, yeah, and and but generally speaking, indie riffic is a, is a, is a, a pretty derogatory term. Sure. Um, this would, I think this would be the production equivalent to that, at least from the start. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to be, cause you know, you got to start somewhere. So you're trying to see the good in it, but Oh, sometimes it was tough to spot. And, and, and this is the first episode. Yeah. So, you know, who knows there, there are plenty more and, and we're going to work through and, and it actually, 
What's neat is it, it can only get better. It wasn't terrible. No. I no. wouldn't even say it was bad. But it wasn't but it's only going to get better because we've got our Joey Janellas, our James Storms. Right. Those you know, higher ranking. Absolutely. Uh, so this match it was it looked like it was more so to to fill the number twelve spot. Right. And it was to get that Dojo Pro white belt. Yeah. That will be defended apparently, and I and I may be wrong about this. It looks like it'll be defended all the way up until the finals, which is the Dojo Pro, Pro Black Belt. And which seems like it's kind of a fairly heavy handicap, though, too, for the guy who's sitting in that number one spot. So you know, I I have to agree because it looks like, uh, and we'll get to the match here and the result, but it looks like whoever wins the number twelve spot. Moves up and fights the number eleven, and so on There's and so forth. There's a lot of hard work in front of them. Yeah, and, and my initial thought of this was that it was going to be like tournament style, right? Like King of the Ring sort of yes. brackets, right? And that doesn't seem to be the case. So, um, I really don't know what to didn't know what to expect walking into this. My my whole understanding of the concept was wrong. Sure, and, and I had no understanding. So there you go. <laughs> well, and and so. When I, I heard about this, in all transparency, I heard about this on uh, Conrad Thompson's podcast. Okay. You know, it was, I think it was something to wrestle. It was Bruce Pritchard's show. Okay. And there was a, a promo spot for Dojo Pro. So Dojo Pro, folks, if you're listening, we're going to make fun of you a little bit, but we mean it with love. <laughs> and uh, and there was some good stuff, so we're not going to completely rip it. No. And uh, and Conrad sent us, so yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it blocked on Twitter bus. now. Yeah. Um, but so I, I walked into this thinking, okay, they're talking about belts, you know, colored belts and things like that. Right. I, I walked in thinking, okay, this is going to be some WMAC Masters shit. Yeah. And, and that's you know that's not shit like garbage because I watched the hell out of some WMAC Masters. Let's <laughs> make no mistake about it. So we've got a qualifying match. It's Kevin Koo versus Kerry Awful. Uh, my uh, uh, indie wrestling knowledge is extremely lacking, especially lately. Uh, I hadn't heard of either one of these guys. I know they mentioned that uh, that Carrie Awful was part of a tag team called the Carnies. I'm not familiar with them. No, no, no. I can't say that I am either. But I think one of the neat things about this is, and, and I think this is by design, now that I've seen them, and we're going to talk about the match because there's some stuff to talk about. Absolutely. I, I want to look them up. I want to find more information. And there wasn't, you know, everybody seems to have a Wikipedia page at least. These guys didn't. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't find much more than a few, not even fan pages, but their names listed on a card somewhere. Sure. And it's not quite the best kept secret. So I'm, I'm yeah. not sure why there's not a lot of info on them. Because I would, I would follow along and see how these guys are progressing, but... Well, well, that's it, you know, and a part of what we've been doing. One of the reasons I like these sorts of shows, and I, and I like that the Dojo Pro folks have been putting so much effort into this and, and deliberately including uh, independent wrestlers, uh, is, is the same reason that I've really enjoyed going back to watch Mid-South in 82. Sure. Because I'm watching, you know, Buddy Landell before he was the nature boy, Buddy Landell. And I'm watching... Um, you know, Jesse Barr before he was pretending to be Mr. Wrestling. Right. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Duggan before the 2x4. Ted DiBiase before he was the Million Dollar Man. And they, they all, they came from this. Yeah. And honestly, it's nice to watch these guys without, like, just this huge TV production and just see what they can actually do or start to grow into. And 
and so as, as they as they went to the arena one of the first things that that uh that we noticed and and it was funny because i was taking notes and you were saying things that i was writing right, down yeah. at the same time which was nice very small it, this looks like old studio filming and i'm sure that's where they are they're in a tv studio yeah. there aren't more than 50 to 100 fans there right if a- that f that yeah and you know so so the crowd is dark lit which is how i actually prefer wrestling anyway i, I don't want to see the crowd necessarily i yeah, like you, that you're paying to watch the wrestlers well in this case you're you're mm-hmm. renting it but okay so but I get that. I mean, and, and the idea is keeping it on the wrestlers, but at the same time, it was a little tight on the wrestlers too. So, no, it really was. And, and and so expand upon that. So let's look at the ring itself. Right. What did you think about the ring? The ring, being as it's a smaller size, it, it, I was the first comment I made is it's got to be tough to work on taking any of the bumps or to sit there and try to do any maneuvering. Hell, any submission move, you sit there and said, okay, all I got to do is reach out to the ring because reach out to the rope because it's right there. So it's kind of tough to make that a believable sell. Well, yeah, absolutely. So it looked like the the ring couldn't have been much bigger than twelve by twelve. Yeah, you know, and it it was a tight space. And I understand, you know, I'm sure there were budget constraints. I'm sure that you know there were. This was out of necessity. Uh, so anytime somebody's being pinned, you're an arm's reach away from a rope. Right. Or anytime you're in a submission hold, you're an arm's reach away from the rope, and so. Early on, and and we'll get to some of this. It was it was, I hate to say laughable, but it, but it was it's, funny. It, yeah, there was there was definitely some comedic talent to it. I don't think they meant to do that, but there was. <laughs> well, right, you know, I mean, when you when you're right there, you know, and, and they, it's not like they could go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also later in the match when they relied on you know a submission finish. Yeah. Or or uh, or anything or they were applying a hold uh, uh, anywhere near the ropes and they were deliberately near the ropes. It added a layer had, of creativity. Yeah, and then, well, and, but at the same time, it's like you had to try to walk around with that bent elbow. Or it's like oh, I've got this move. I can't quite reach for the. Okay, you can reach for the rope. Yeah, Come on. and I, I so I'm hoping to see. I'm hoping we'll continue to see this improve as it goes. And like I said, you know, as far as the rankings go. The talent will only get better. You would think so. But let, let's jump. Uh, before they had the match, they, they had interview segments. Yeah. Okay. So, again, I'd never heard of either of these guys before. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, I if I'm supposed to be researching wrestling, I dropped the ball here. And I actually couldn't find much information on these guys in the time I had to research before we recorded here. But uh, the first thing I thought when I saw Kevin Koo, that's a pretty fucking cool mask. Yeah. No, I didn't mind his mask. Yeah, I thought his look was cool. I like the I like the tattoos. Um, I don't necessarily know if he needed to have a backstory on the tattoos. I would have rather no. focus on the wrestling, but it's you know it is what it is. Yeah, and you, there was a deliberate effort to try to let you, let you get to know these guys, yeah. and um, you know, so you listen to a story about you know Kevin Koo hiding a tattoo from his parents right. when he's eighteen, 18 yeah. which was actually kind of funny, but uh, you know it, he seemed pretty vanilla. Sure. As far as personality went. Yeah. And Which is a little surprising based on how his character is portrayed. Well, and, and his past. Yeah. Because he, he grew up, you know, very hardcore punk, you know, very uh, a very uh, emotional, I'd say, uh, uh, culture. Yeah. And in, in, with, with, his, with his group of friends is what it sounded like. Sure. So I had kind of expected a little bit of uh, not craziness, but maybe a Darker. little more energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Energy, sure. And... 
either way, it's it, it's fine. I I think, uh, and I think did they did they say during the match that he had broken his neck in the past, or were they talking about Carrie? I feel like it was Carrie, and I get okay. I think that might have fit his character a little bit more. I could be wrong, but okay. Because the other thing I noticed is, uh, you know, I mean, of the two, and again, we'll get to the match, but I thought uh, uh, Kevin moved pretty damn well. He was I thought he was fluid. really athletic. Yeah. And Which he, honestly was a little surprising because he talked about being kind of this muscle guy, and it's like, I don't really see that in you. And, and that's exactly what I was thinking. It, it's like, you know, I, I have no room to criticize anybody's <laughs> yeah. physique, but Preach. Uh, this guy, if he hopped on like a Tessa Blanchard, training regimen or, or a Tommaso Ciampa uh, training uh, routine and, and nutrition and this guy chiseled down a little bit. Yeah. I think he'd be pretty damn impressive. He kind of has like the start of like Rhino's legs almost where they just yes. look like they're ready to like he he could gore you. Excuse me for stealing that. but No, he absolutely. He could kick. He looks like he'd kick a motherfucker through a wall. Right. And he was and I, I think as he as he continues on, you know, developing that uh, that physique would do him wonders because yeah. overall I thought he was pretty damn impressive for the you know for the space that he had to work in. Yeah, I get it. It's just you know I got to give both of those guys some credit with that with that. It's just a tight ring. Is all all I can really say about it. Yeah, and and it was you know and and that's what you know I, I threw back to that that bad word earlier that indie riffic you know that that's just a necessity sometimes. Yeah, you know with, with those rings and it reminded me of one of the first shows I ever saw live and. Um, you know, I won't call it the talent or anything like that, but it was, uh, the ring was extremely small. All, you know, I, I, I'd say almost comedically small. And I, even as a younger fan, you almost felt bad for the guys that were, that were trying to work their ass off yeah. in this tiny little ring because. <sighs> Doing these moves that are made for spaces two or three times bigger. Well, right, right. I mean, I, I don't know the exact dimensions of the WWE ring, but sure. I think it's like you know 16 or 20 by 20 i mean yeah. it's a big ring it's, it's a spectacle of an, of an event they needed they need that room um at least for the televised shows i don't i don't know what their live event rings the house measure ones, yeah. yeah i feel like they're probably got to be close to the same though i would think so mm-hmm. uh then we get to carrie's promo oh, oh. um i j- go for it. tell me what you thought first and then I, I'll try i just feel I mean, first off, I hope he does not get taken to court by Mick Foley, you know, for you know, impersonation issues. <laughs> so uh, it's just uh, he would have done better. I, I didn't mind his mask, actually, either. No, I thought his no. his style was pretty good, too. I, I don't know if I completely agree with, like, that weird plaid scarf type ripped T-shirt <laughs> thing, what he was trying to pull off there. But, I mean, it just kind of looked like he was channeling Cactus Jack and Mankind. And so it, it's... It was a tough sell for me on him. I actually liked it better when he faded out of his character, even though by accident, yes. and it was just kind of talking straight up. So, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was okay. He introduces himself as the dog face gargoyle first yes. of all, and my first thought was, it, it was it was a, it was a turnoff, and from that point on, I almost I didn't want to listen to him, and that's not fair. But I, you know, I was like, okay, no. There's only one dog face, even though there were lots of dog gimmicks. Uh-huh. But the dog face gremlin, Rick Steiner, is okay. the only dog face yeah. for me. And, uh, you know, then uh, it was, it was, I felt like the voice. You have that wannabe voice, you yeah. know. like That cracking of, it's like. Yeah, and, and it was, 
it was more distracting than anything else. Because I don't know, I don't think I remember most of his interview at that point. Other no. than like he was just trying to. It's like you sound like you're trying to copy someone else at this point. That that's exactly it. And then uh, uh, when he slipped back into the Tennessee accent. That was my favorite part. <laughs> that was pretty good. Because I think this guy's probably pretty fascinating. Yeah. And I, I don't think he needs the voice to get over. I think the voice takes away from it because it's so close to Cactus Something Jack. Else, yes. Yeah, specifically Cactus Jack. Because right. Mankind had, I'd say, almost a, a more human voice with, with Mick Foley as Mankind. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, he did the, the you know, the you know, squeal and all that. Type stuff, yeah. But Cactus Jack had that almost manic, panicky voice. Yep. And, and uh, I felt like that's kind of what he was trying to track uh, channel there. And you could certainly pick worse people to emulate. But oh, yeah. I think this guy's probably creative enough and talented enough where he can create his own shit. Yeah, he could just start working on his own stuff. I mean, I'm not entirely sure where he got the idea of his mask from, but the mask wasn't terrible bad other than if he was trying to rip off Mankind with that too. At least it looked a little bit more original. Yeah, I, I thought that that like gargoyle style mouth. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, I'd like to see him wrestle with it on. I I was kind of wondering why he took it off because it just fit mm-hmm. better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Kevin's mask was certainly decorative. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a wrestling mask by any stretch of the imagination, and that's fine. But Carrie's mask, I thought, okay, if it he's gonna detail. wrestle in this thing, mm-hmm. it's gonna be pretty sweet. Well, and, and then it actually fits the name a little bit better, even though Absolutely. I don't entirely agree with Dogface. I mean, the gargoyle part would have worked okay, definitely. And and that's where I kind of feel like with both of these guys, I feel like maybe I'm missing something just because I I hadn't seen them before. Sure, you know, Carrie's part of a tag team. You know, they mentioned he's part of the Carnies. Yes, and and you know, perhaps if I see more of the Carnies. The dog face gargoyle piece will make more sense. Yeah, see how that other part fits. Maybe the other guy is more of the I don't know, even laid back. But it kind of feels like if you're naming yourself Carney, you're not going to be laid back. But right. <laughs> well, and and with the mustaches and everything, I almost sure. uh, I almost hope his tag team partner. And I'm going to have to look this up. I almost hope he's got the upturned handlebar mustache. Oh, where boy. Carrie has the downturned hey, one. If you have the ability, go for it. Absolutely. Uh, no. What, what what I think was cool was the actual content of the interview. He was he was trying to cut a legitimate like old school type promo. Yes, like, there was like, no talking about where his tattoos came from. No, right. it it was it was he had a character and he was buying wholesale into that character. Yep. And everything about the interview went back to that character, and I thought that was ballsy. I thought that was gutsy, especially because there are so many. Um, so many folks, as as we kind of poke fun of it, poke, poke a little fun at him here, that are willing to shit on everything. Yeah, and so I liked that part. I just I, I think just from looking at the guy and watching his first match that we'll talk about here uh, with with Dojo Pro, I think he's probably got a great deal of talent and a great deal of creativity where he could he could establish something that can't be confused with somebody else yeah or they let him sit there and say you know what go ahead and do your thing you know stop. absolutely or not oh we're going to try to make you relatable to somebody who else is already established because then hopefully it it sells it better it's like mm-hmm. no let him let him do his stuff and so let's uh let, let's jump to the match so the referee is amanda lee uh they both get to the ring i actually like that they did the inter- the introductions in the ring since the entryway was pretty short sure on yep. necessity again right uh the music was pretty cool. I didn't have a problem with that. No, I bought into it. The the anime style backdrop 
was outstanding. Was one of my favorite parts. I mean, not to make short of their rustling, because we can if we really wanted to. But <laughs> yes, I did like both of them. I mean, it, yeah. it had a definite comic feel to it, but it was it was cool. Well, and I I hope that at the end of this they get to keep their banners, right? Because how cool is that? You know, and and I'd implore you if if you're listening and you haven't watched Dojo Pro yet, uh. Yeah, I we're we're gonna keep working through these episodes here, but check out the first episode at the very least, and check out uh, just the effort that went into creating this atmosphere that's intended to be something different. And you know, despite a few hiccups here and there, pretty damn good job of it. And uh, I mean, it reminds you of like a, a you know a two D fighter game where you're just yes. you're ready to sit there and see these two guys go to it. Absolutely, it was like watching Saturday. It was like playing Saturday Night Slam Masters. There you go for me, and I and that's there's nothing bad about Saturday Night Slam Masters. <laughs> so, and they even had character, like it was it wasn't you know two guys wrestling. You know, there was an attempt at some real character there that I that I really appreciated and that I kind of miss. But those backdrops, especially those, I mean, you know, if, if Dojo Pro takes off, and I certainly I want any wrestling promotion or series to take off. Uh, those are the sorts of things that once they're signed, turn into some really nice collectibles or some charity items, sure. things like that. But uh, really impressed with just the general build of that studio filming area. I did like the way it was. Yeah, I mean, uh, the audience, like you said before, I think the audience being a little too close probably kind of took it away from trying to do stuff around the ring. Yes. But overall, I like the way that looked. And I'm going to be honest with the belts piece. It's like they're walking around trying to promote the white belt, but then they have the black belt sitting in the back. It's like, why are you trying to push something when the better thing is sitting behind you? Well, right, right. The white belt is something you get essentially just for being there. Yeah. You know, you win the match to it's move like, in. Oh, I paid my money. Yeah, okay. Exactly. You're employed. Yes. Is what it means. And, uh, you know, until you're fired. Right. And then somebody else has the I'm employed belt. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. so um, I, I certainly, and that that was one of the things that I had a little trouble with when I was trying to grasp the concept before we watched it. I was like, oh, so is it like a, is it like a, a karate style belt or is it, and it, it's a championship belt in the style of a karate type Like a knot design. type thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a cool concept. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that. They need the white belt to walk through it. Yeah. I think working towards the black belt is enough. But I think it's a neat little gimmick, too. Well, it almost makes me wonder, too, if they're a future future fighting, if they're going to, like, move up, like, the white belt. Oh, now we got right, the orange belt, right, the right. red belt, the blue belt, or whatever style they decide to go with. But, again, it, always, it makes it seem a little less when you're like, oh, I got this one, but I really want that one. It's like, right. you just worked hard to get, well, <laughs> worked hard might be a stretch in some cases, but you worked at getting this one. Why are you trying to get rid of it right away? Sure, sure. So so let, let's jump to them. So they do the introductions. Mm-hmm. They start in uh, the first few minutes was just them talking. Yes, I, I don't get that. It's like, okay, you cheer for me now. Okay, no, no, you cheer for me now. And it's just get the fans involved by your actions, not by yeah. your, okay, no, I want you to cheer for me. I can stand in there and say, I want you to cheer for me. That's not, that's not the point. Right, like the cheer for me, cheer for me thing, the, the, the heel-face dynamic, establishing it through crowd participation, I think only works if you have you know, several hundred people yes. at minimum. And you get that loud kind of roar, loud kind of boo with it. Absolutely. So, I mean, even like, you know, you and I have been to uh, uh, WWE house shows. Yep. 
and we've been to SmackDown tapings. Yep. Uh, so at the house show, you know, up here, you know, where we are, it's a smaller area, and they maybe get 1,200 fans. Sure. You know, it's not, it's not 10,000 like you'd see at certain SmackDown tapings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it works there. Because at least you can get some volume. You get volume, and let's be honest, it's because they have history already. I mean, the sure, fans are coming, sure. and they're watching these wrestlers, and they know what's coming, or they know what could happen. So it's easier to cheer for or to boo for because they're already established. These guys aren't established, so it's like, why am I cheering for you yet? And I get it. I mean, in, in smaller circles, maybe you kind of are, but at the same point, let me see what you can do to sit there and try to cheer for you. Right. Yeah. For for me as a viewer, it made it made no sense. Yeah. And because they had like fifty people there. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe fifty maybe. people. Yeah. And you know, you can't I don't think you can get that sort of back and forth response. And the crowd was trying. Yeah. They they they, they were participating. They were but, trying to buy into it. But it sounds like, you know, guys at a bonfire. Sure. When you have that that, that little space when you can't fill it, you know, or you don't have seats available it's not that they couldn't fill the building there just wasn't much building to fill right it's kind of you don't get i'm not sure how you feel the power of people cheering you on when you have like 20 of them saying yeah go go Mm -hmm. for it guy you know right right and i think one of them said hey there buddy yeah and i I cracked up i I started laughing and it might have been carrie too it could have been and, and that was another another thing because of the proximity. The cameras were right up in the match. Yes. So you could hear the wrestlers talking, and I kept thinking, okay, you know, am I going to get a botchamania spot where everybody talks too much? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I didn't hear any spots called. Not that you know, honestly, that it really doesn't bother me to hear that. But I didn't hear any of that, you know. But you did hear a little bit of the banter that was funny from time to time. Sure. <clears throat> it's like they were trying to sell it a little bit, and yeah. But it, it kind of worked a little bit later. But yes. again, they were already at least getting established with what they were doing. That's it. And it didn't take long. You know, once we sort of get to get a feel of these guys, yep. and it doesn't take long, then the talking was pretty good. Yes, because then it feeds into like, where they're going to hit or what they're going to try to throw right. you into next. So the, the match itself, uh, I don't want to say basic like in a negative way, but it was, I'd say it was pretty standard. Yeah, you know, it was there weren't a ton of high spots because you, quite frankly, could not do high spots. No, in this in this ring, I think you would have jumped over the edge of it on the other side. And it was, yeah, not not super great. So you know, and that was one of the things I had sort of had to watch this episode through that lens, understanding yeah. that you know these guys may be hellacious workers when they have space to work. Sure, and they're putting on, in all reality, a pretty damn good match in a small ring in a tight venue. Mm-hmm. And we even got, you know, Kevin Kevin did land a few suicide dives that had some decent distance Yeah. Uh, on on Kerry. And then, of course, there's the inevitable, you know, one more time chant. Oh, followed by, you know, he gets caught with a fist when he comes through the ropes. Right. He being Kevin. Well, I'll give him credit because I thought for sure they were going to reach for something under the ring. But no, he just went for the fist. So Yeah, and, and did you notice the ring had no apron? Yes, which made it a little bit more. It's like, oh wait, never mind. <laughs> you can clearly see there's nothing under the ring. So. Well, that's it. They they had some neat lighting. Yeah. Going coming from under the ring, I thought it, I thought that was kind of interesting, but there was no apron, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if that'll change. It's not really a big deal. It just it caught my eye. Yeah. It was yeah. Something different. Uh, Kevin sold for most of the match. So uh, carry off. You know, carry awful was in control for a majority of the match. Yep. 
Uh, he actually, I thought he had some pretty innovative moves. Carry or Ken? Carry. Carry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, he he was very much the 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 ground and pound. Well, not even the pound part, but the ground. The the right. Um, as much as Kevin was supposed to be the technical superstar, and he was claiming it that way. Yeah. Right. Carry was the one who demonstrated that in this match anyway. Sure. And one of the things I liked from the beginning is he had uh, Carrie had stomped Kevin's hand down. Oh yeah, I do remember that. No. Yeah, it, it was it was almost like a spinning toehold, but to his arm. Right. And then he stomped his forearm and hit a senton. Yeah. Just a standing right senton right. splash to his forearm, which I thought was kind of cool. It was different. It was unique. It, it was, and then he kept going back to that arm throughout the match. Sure. Which was which also would I I appreciated, and that has I'm sure that has to do something. Uh, that has something to do with, you know, whatever his finish may be. And again, I'm not familiar with uh, Kerry Offal's work beyond what we've seen here. Right. But, uh, you know, he, he had that uh, that arm sent on. He also had a hammerlock chin, uh, hammerlock chin lock that uh, uh, that he threw on later on right next to the ropes. Yes. And then that's where he kind of hooked the arm. He turned it into an abdominal stretch a little bit. Right, but it took him a little while to actually get there. He did, and, and I actually I appreciated that more because he started with one move and he gradually moved into another. But he, the problem I had with that one was the fact that it's like he's doing this one move, which he's selling, but then he mm-hmm. starts to go into another part of it, which is uh, that doesn't look like it's going to work. And then he would go back to like stretching the fingers so it looks like he was putting on more of a stretch, which, again, you started selling. Mm-hmm. And then it took him a little bit to actually get into that full over at the end of it. Right. And, and, he, and he kind of lost the arm yes. in the abdominal stretch, the bottom arm that was hooked into the into the hammer lock. And, and of course, that's what set up the reversal for Kevin. But uh, I, I liked, I've, I've always liked the wrenching the fingers piece to it. Yep. I think it's a nasty heel yep. thing to and do. And I don't even really remember that from other people. So that was actually kind of mm-hmm. new for me because, you know, just, just watching it, it was like, oh, that's that's not a bad way to put sure. on a little extra pressure for it. So you know, uh, William Regal used to do it. Oh, that's, yeah, I and, do remember. And, you know, and he was such a nasty heel anyway. Yeah. I, I I love Lord Regal. Lord Stephen Regal. I love the guy. And uh, then Pete Dunn. And I don't know if you've watched much Pete Dunn because I know you don't get to watch a lot of the current product either. That's, that's true. Uh, Pete Dunn. If you haven't seen his matches, he is a gem. That name sounds real familiar to me. And and I maybe that's what when when you record with me next time we're gonna watch us some Pete Dunn from okay. from the UK tournament and from NXT. The guy is he's called the Bruiser Weight. <laughs> and I just there's nothing I I there's nothing I don't like about the guy. I just sure. everything he looks like he could be William Regal's illegitimate son. There you go. First of all, <laughs> and he wrestles like it too. And I, I that's I think that's a pretty that high might compliment. Be believable. You know, poor poor Regal. I don't know. Sometimes he's kind of scary women like. But um, you know, didn't get to see a whole lot of Kevin's offense other than those suicide dives. Uh, he tried for uh, they they called it. This kind of this kind of bothered me a little bit, but they they kept calling Kevin Koo's finisher Splash Mountain. If I was hearing them correctly, I did hear that name. I didn't understand why. And and Splash Mountain to me is something completely different. Yeah. And uh, uh, but what it was is it was simply a half crab, where Kevin is stomping on the back of the guy's head at the same time, which. To me, actually, I haven't seen a whole lot of either, so I thought, eh, that's not a bad take on it, but at the no. same time, it was, I don't know if that was what they were trying to, it's not what the guy was calling out to me. It's like, no, that's right. a different 
that's a different thing you're going for. Yeah, I don't think Splash Mountain when I see somebody stomping on the back of a dude's head like yeah. he's in a half crab. You know, I, I mean, you know, it's, uh, uh, or as uh, Gorilla and Bobby would say, his occipital protuberance. But, <laughs> sure. but, uh, but I thought the, finish it, the finisher itself was pretty cool. But again, even, even there, uh, you know, Kerry didn't reach for the ropes. He was certainly close enough because the ring was so small right. that he could have. And, and it's uh, tough for your guys to try to sell it when it's just such a confined spot. Right. And, and so, of course, Kevin gets the win. Yeah. And we don't get to see the top rope brain buster that uh, Kerry was teasing sure. a few times through. And I, I really would have liked to have uh, seen that. Or no, I think maybe Kevin was teasing the top rope brain buster. Mm. But um, either way, we didn't get to see it. And I was really hoping to see that. But getting somebody up like that, uh, you know, for, for a superplex type hold in that small of a ring, I think it's too easy that somebody's feet are going to catch the ropes on the other side right. and somebody's going to land on their head. Yeah. Well, as it was with him, Kerry uh, landing right on his tailbone oh, at one time. Absolute middle rope gut wrench suplex. And maybe that was him trying not to completely sprawl out to land on his back so that he didn't end up hitting the ropes on the other side. I don't know for sure, but it's yeah. just like that looked painful to me. Well, it did. So, so the setup was, and, and it was Kevin teasing the brain buster. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I stand corrected. He went back up, Kevin being he, and he hooked Kerry Awful in uh, gut, uh, a gut wrench suplex off the middle rope. And it looked like it, clearly he over-rotated. Yeah. Because Kerry Awful, instead of landing on his back, landed square on his ass. Square. Was, like, I, I think his tailbone popped out of his nose. Yeah. I mean, and it was... Um, there wasn't a lot of bounce to that ring, so it was just... No. Hmm. I slipped on one of my kid's toys and I couldn't get back up right away the other day. Yeah. He got up and finished the match, so <laughs> I've mean, got nothing but respect for Kerry Awful there. Because I, I had... How is that tailbone not busted to shit? I don't... I sh- I mean, needing a donut afterwards. <laughs> You're not kidding. So uh, the match ends. Uh, Kevin Koo wins the white belt. He's going to move on. Because um, now he's just ranking. Yes, now he's number 12. Yeah. So he's going to take on number 11. And, uh, and I mean, we'll kind of see what happens with that as we move on. But number 11 is Gunnar Miller. And... Uh, I haven't seen any of Gunnar Miller either, and that's what makes that's what makes these kind of neat. You know, I mean, if you look at the meta tag on these on these episodes, mm-hmm. you know, this is the Smirk at Zero podcast, and the subtag is finding something new. Right. Generally, it's followed by the Mid South Files. Here, it's Gojo Pro yeah. because these are indie wrestlers that I've never seen before, for the most part, with the exception of eventually, like you know, uh, uh, Joey Janela and James Storm, James Storm, uh, Shane Strickland. You know, those are the only the only three. No- names in this tournament that i'm really familiar with and uh so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys for the first time mm-hmm. and you know it's it's I, I can't research them as much as i'd like to like i can with the mid-south guys sure or the smoky mountain guys but uh this is still going in blind i think it adds a little something to it for me yeah and if you kind of look at some of these promo pages or promo shots anyway i mean Gunner does have, actually almost looks a little more seasoned than some of the other shots you've seen too. So it'll be interesting to see how that one turns out. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy's got some bulk to him. So, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how Kevin does against Gunner Miller. I think that's going to be episode two here. But uh, 
before we before we close the book on episode one, uh, we did have it wasn't a run in, but we had a closing segment, and that was when the number one ranked Dojo Pro Wrestling participant Jeff Cobb comes out to the ring. Yeah, and Jeff, you know, Jeff actually has a pretty uh, pretty impressive background in that, you know, he's he's been wrestling since 2009 so he's nine years in the business wrestled in hawaii uh wrestled in lucha underground uh currently he's wrestling for pro you know pwg he's wrestling for progress he's wrestling for new japan he's wrestling for ring of honor and here dojo pro which is tied to ring of honor uh and uh and i've actually watched a little lucha underground so i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that i guess he's matanza in lucha underground so i'm gonna go check him out he also held the pwg tag PWG, easy for me to say, tag team championship with Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle has been sort of the center of, uh, of, of the rumor mill lately. It looks like uh, he either recently signed a developmental contract with WWE to report to NXT. Well, there you go. Or, he's, or it's being reported that he's going to. I haven't seen anything final on that. But Matt Riddle is a pretty impressive talent in his own right. But Jeff Cobb, you know, he, he was a, a, a wrestling Olympian. I mean, sure. this guy's got athletic pedigree, you know, to the gills. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. He comes out to the ring, and he's he's playing heel. Yeah. So he bumps poor Kevin on his way to the ring. Not super great heel, but he's playing heel. Yeah, you know, and, and that was it. It was, he, he was sort of coming out to set, this was exposition. Yes. You know, he comes out, he's about as wide as he is tall. That's accurate. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's not fat. You know, he's, he's you know, like I said, I'm he's not... He's just broad, yeah. Yeah, the guy's brick shithouse. You know, like, I I would not... I, I wouldn't bump a drink on this guy. No. You know, you know I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk, you know, walk up to him and, and run my mouth because he looks like he could probably eat me. Yeah, he'll <laughs> pick you up and throw you for a good ring. And uh, so he comes to the ring... The promo itself is very basic, uh, and, and I don't know. I, I'm assuming that they gave him some talking points because they want to establish the story for the tournament. This, these probably aren't his words. And these kind are, of push the end game of where he's going or where who is somebody is going at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> essentially, it was, I'm the number one guy, and uh-huh. I want that belt. The end. Yeah. All and, of you can just go home now. Right. Right. And as he's leaving, he starts jawjacking with a fan mm-hmm. who, you know, I'm sorry, when you see a guy who's pretty well built yeah. and he's tatted up to the gills and he's got a big beard and he's got a hoodie on, you and know. shorts. Yeah, the, the guy's a worker. <laughs> yeah. Or at least he has the appearance of a worker in the sea of a bunch of normal normal folks, normies, Standing civilians. next to the, the girl that doesn't have a clue who he right, is. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, he, the, the fan gets floored. Yeah. You know, he, he knocks him down. And I was like, okay, well, that in and of itself, I can appreciate the effort behind it. But as soon as there's not a security presence immediately. Yeah. And as soon and then he picks him up and, you know, uh, then the fan gets picked up and thrown into the ring. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to have to work a little harder and suspend disbelief here. But uh, because there's no guardrail or anything either. No. It's, you know, essentially the fans just respecting the boundaries. Yeah. Don't touch the mat. So I, I thought that I thought it was I don't want to say cheesy, but I don't think I was in the right place 
for it when I was, you know, just mentally when I was watching it to appreciate what they were doing. Yeah, because honestly, I, I was kind of figuring like Carrie's tag team would come running out and I wasn't really expecting number one to come. Right. And then all of a sudden he, he he's doing this commentary that's just like, this is not great. And then No, it really it really wasn't. But the power slam that was, was pretty fucking cool. I liked that, yeah. And and what it was, I it wouldn't I wouldn't call it a reverse power slam, but it's certainly as if the momentum was backwards right. for it. Um, I I don't even know what I'd call it. I'm looking forward to hearing what the commentators will call it when when he actually has a match. I think they call it the Kona Islands. That I'm, did, I'm hoping that's what they were calling it. The, the other name didn't sound as good. No, I I swear what I heard the commentary table say was Coney Islands. And that might just be because I'm a fat guy and I'm hungry. Yeah, who doesn't like a good hot dog? <laughs> right. But I heard Coney Islands twice. Yeah. And and I please let it be Kona. Please don't let that slam be called the Coney I, Island. I was going to say, I can't even justify calling it Coney <laughs> Island. I mean, it was the, the finisher is you just end up with a hot dog. I, that's, I, I could think of better, your worst ways to be finished. <laughs> there you go. You want to finish me with, with a nice with a nice Coney dog? I'm all for it. Right. That, that is, you win. You bring me a Coney dog, you win. After you wake me up from getting knocked the hell out from that move. <laughs> well, Jason, yours wouldn't have onions, but mine damn well better have oh, onions. onions. Just no. <laughs> So, so the the show closes after that, and uh, overall, Jason, what did you think? I, you know, I can't complain terribly with it. It's, it's like again, it's it's tough to sit there and try to sell something in a tight space, and I think both of these guys gave it a good go. So I'm actually interested to see how it continues to shape up. One because I want to see what their actual style of is. Does that poor guy who's on number 12 have to keep fighting up each time? I mean, you would think he's just going to get worn out by the time he makes it to number one. Mm -hmm. And then, two, I just want to see how these other guys are looking. Because some of them, like their promo pictures, actually look like they're they're experienced. They know what they're doing. And it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. So. Well, and some of the outfits that you see, and, and uh, we're fashion designers now. No, there you go. Some of the outfits that you see coming up look pretty badass. Yeah. You know, and uh, so it's, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I agree. I thought it was, uh, once I sort of reset myself yeah. and understood what I was watching and what the intent was behind it or what I think the intent was behind it. And maybe not just completely focus on like the mainstream type of what you're used to watching. Right. You know, I couldn't watch this like a WWE show because right. it's not WWE. Yes. There, there, there's not a, you know, and it's a hundred, you know, $300,000 production value behind it. It'd be this. unfair to kind of sit there and compare those two spots. Right. So, you know, I think once, once I sort of, uh, checked my attitude and sort of adjusted where, why, where I was coming from watching this, it was actually really enjoyable. Sure. And uh, so I mean, we'll see what happens with the next few episodes. I'm looking forward to it now. Um, and it, one of my favorite things, and, and for those of you listening that, that have been with us since the beginning, you know this is one of my favorite things. I get to look up new wrestlers. Yeah. So, no, I, I get to go into research mode and, and maybe reach out to some of these guys and see if they want to chat. Sure. And, you know, if, if they don't, fine. But, man, when you get a response from some of these guys, you find out they're some of the coolest people in the world. So, so our next episode, and Jason, if, if you'd like to come back anytime to review wrestling, oh, you're more great. than welcome. Yeah. And uh, and I think what we'd like to do in the future is, uh, you know, of course, this is mainly a pro wrestling podcast, but before we came to Seal Post Media, 
this was about everything. You know, we covered more a little bit more gaming. We covered comic books. You know, th- there were a lot of topics before we really, you know, laser pointed the focus on pro wrestling. I, I'd like to start working a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of geek culture back into the How show. How can you not? Well, and and that's it because it's you know I, I'd love. I'd love to talk a little bit more about comics, and I know that's your forte. Uh, that's that's kind of the area I like to go with, especially focusing a little bit more on one particular publishing company. Although I do appreciate <laughs> both, yes, and and at it, least and the two main ones and some of the other subsidiaries of that. So and, and it's certainly it's, it's certainly okay to name names because I, I, you probably have forgotten more about Superman than most people know. Yeah, when they had that show on <laughs> Beat the Geek, I was always the guy that said, "I want to be the geek in that show," just to sit there and say, "Try me." Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I'd, I'd like to bring some of that back just just for a little bit of uh, a different flavor so uh, if you're interested in hearing more about that or if you'd like to hear about you know any, any sort of gaming communities coming up any conventions like that let me know find me on Twitter at smart zero I'd be more than interested in bringing some of that on and um, and you'll hear from us next time when we cover episode two which looks like um, which looks like it's going to be Kevin Koo, if I'm reading this correctly. Gunner. Yeah, we're going to see Kevin Koo taking on Gunner Miller, and uh, and we'll kind of we'll kind of see what happens. But I'm I'm actually I'm looking forward to it now. Where at the beginning right. I was kind of like, oh, what is this? Yes. So, uh, so uh, in in the meantime, don't forget to check out our friends. We've got Oz Marley at Steel Post Media. We've got Dallas Barnes at All Wrestling 420. Of course, our music comes from Noah Carroll at Noah Seven BC. Thank you very much to my co-host, my tag team partner today, Jason. Oh, thank you. And remember, support your local internet, uh, support your local wrestling promotions, your internet wrestling community, and for God's sakes, remember to be kind to each other. And we'll see you next time right here on the Smart Zero podcast. Mm-hmm.